0: You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. The
1: stony ground, no room.
0: Welcome to our In Conversation program.
1: In this town, you're out of luck.
0: Every week we talk to a sporting personality to find out just what makes them tick. From their early childhood, to their professional career, to their musical
2: tastes,
0: we cover it all. So sit back and enjoy as we talk to this week's special guest. here on three valleys radio good evening and welcome to in conversation and joining me tonight is a flat and national hunt trainer Richard Phillips. Well, good evening, Richard. Thank you very much for joining us here on In Conversation on Three Valleys Radio. Appreciate you coming on, but it's all Colin Brown's fault because, as I've told you, he's the one who recommended you. Apparently, you're the Mike Yarwood of racing.
3: Well, I have been known to mimic a few people, I must admit, but I can't do Colin Brown. I couldn't be that bad. but No. Um, I, yeah, I can... Most of people I do now are dead, unfortunately, so that's <laughs> not a really great help. So anyway, I used to do a few voices, yeah.
0: Can you do um, Frankie de Tory, for example? I can. I always, uh, he's the, hey, like a cockney Italian,
3: isn't he? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm so pleased. he no, it made me proud to be English. <laughs> you know. So he's, um, I actually spoke at Frankie de Tory's 30th birthday party in Newmarket, would you believe him? Oh, Took a... the mickey out of him all night, which everyone likes apart from him.
0: Oh, has he not got a sense of humour then? Yeah, he's a great bloke. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'd love to meet him, i must I'm better still, I'd love to get him on the show, but that's another story. Yeah,
3: he's a remarkable man yeah. and um, a remarkable jockey.
0: Mm, I think you're right there, yeah. When you look at his, you know, look at it, what is he, 50-odd now? I think isn't he? he's over 50, isn't he now? Yeah,
3: he's getting there, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I mean, apart from the fitness elements, you know, he's still riding winners like they're going out of style. I think he's brilliant. You know, I think he's... Uh... Yeah,
3: he's, he's brilliant on the big day as well, and... Um... Yeah, a lot of young jockeys should copy how he rides. He hardly ever uses the stick or the whip or whatever you want to call
0: it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. But uh, as far as you're concerned, Richard, um, you were born down next to Ascot Racecourse, I understand. Epsom, actually. Epsom, was it? Sorry, I got the wrong one. Um,
3: Yeah, yeah. They're uh, not far away, though. No, I I was lucky enough to be born in the Epsom Racecourse, lucky enough to have the... um, love of horse racing ever since I was a little lad I was about a six-year-old kid
0: well let's go so back I told to that i
3: but... wanted to be a racehorse trainer since i was six so uh he used to take me up to epsom downs with my brothers yeah um and we'd see left to pick up from about four or five yards away i used to think this is very exciting i'll do this for the rest of my life so i'll be quite lucky
0: so you were six years old and you'd really reached that conclusion already yep yeah, loved it that's amazing isn't it
3: didn't want to be a jockey I come along a line of school teachers, so I probably just like telling people what to do, really. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think um, it, my job is really it's like being the headmaster of school, really. Yeah. Uh, training a racehorse and um, the people who ride them in the morning, the teachers, uh, horses are the pupils and the owners are the parents. And it's not much more complicated than that, really. But if you've got bright kids, it makes you look a very good trainer and headmaster. If you've, got, <laughs> if you've not got so bright ones, mm.
0: um,
3: it, it, it's a slightly harder job, but it, it's no less satisfying.
0: It's a very good comparison. I've never thought of it, well, but, uh, I you know, I can sympathise with it because both my parents were teachers as well. So uh, I, I had to put up with that for my whole of my uh, school days anyway. Yeah. So it was a bit of a, you know, you now were you, always under the spotlight all the time. That was the problem. And I, I yeah. wasn't I wasn't the um, I wasn't the most academically bright, shall we say. Uh, I, I was well, I suppose I was, but I was just bone idle after time. That was the problem, I think. There well, anyone I got... I've, got. I've
3: got horses like that, and yeah. I'd probably put some headgear on you.
0: <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, nice sheepskin <laughs> noseband. I'll find one of them and put one on. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Your
3: head down, yeah.
0: Before I before I forget, occasionally I'm going to say to you, "Hold it there, Richard." It's just our somewhat primitive way of edited it, and I can leave a gap to put some music in. So if I do, it's just a question of you saying, "Keep me quiet for a minute," and then I'll I'll get you going again. Okay. OK, no problem. Right. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're six years old. We've decided that we want to get into horse racing. So presumably then you didn't want to have the hag of getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning to ride out then. You wanted to be the boss man and you could roll up at 9 o'clock then, basically.
3: No, I'm afraid it's not like that. Um, you're there probably before the people turn up at 5 o'clock, really. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the rider's life is a lot easier, I think. It's worrying about everything else. It's the hardest job. I know that as a trainer, but... Um... No, but I've always enjoyed um, directing the horses' careers, as it would be like a like a young child, really. Yeah. Um, building up, building up their confidence, and um, building up their fitness, and um, finding out their ability, and putting them against opposition they can beat. That's the job, really. So they have a good life. So, um, and a racehorse's life is a great one. So it's a very rewarding job.
0: Yeah. It, is is the you know the whole training Sario, Is it? Um... Is it a question of how you train them i e the techniques that you use to train them, or is it more a question of placing the horses in the right races so you get the best out of the horse it's
3: It's a bit of everything really, but um Richard Pittman wrote a great book, um martin Pike's biography, and if you read it, there's three great chapters, one chapter on getting horses fit, which Martin Pike was ahead of his game at, and basically yeah. made them hundred percent fit where I think in the past some trainers hadn't got them 100% fit. And there's a great chapter on um, form of horses, so making sure they're up to get horses they can actually beat um, and putting the children in the right exams. If they're only good at woodwork, don't put them in a biology A-level. And another great chapter is on health. So um, Martin Bike was one of the first people to use blood testing, etc., so haematology and... Um, you know he's ahead of his time in many respects. And yeah. uh, when he wrote that book with Richard Pittman, uh, we all read it and copied him. And funny enough, um, everyone caught up with him. And then he realised that, and then retired and left it to his son to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, cut a long story short. Um, yeah, fitness, health, against opposition, you can beat.
0: Mm. Um, so going back to when you were six years old and you made this decision in your mind you were going to get into horse racing. How did it develop from there? I mean, you were obviously. You you go, go? Did you do sort of pony trials and stuff like that?
3: Well, no. Funny enough, um, my father was a civil servant in Whitehall, so it's quite a long way from being a racehorse trainer, really. But he he was a little countryman, and yeah. um, I was lucky to work in a little stables after school as a child. Uh, earned my sort of three quid a week and looked, taught how to ride and do that. And I was obsessed with horses and. I wanted to be a vet only because I thought that's the easiest way of being a racehorse trainer if you're just a your servant, but I spelt physics with an F. I was no good. I was like you at school.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah. So, um I did what Norman Tebbit told me to do. Yeah. Get on my bike and look for work. But I didn't have a bike, so I ran and I luckily I knocked on the doors of Fred Winter and Fort Wall Winter, the great trainers of all time.
4: Yeah.
3: And um they didn't have a job but luckily I responded to a, an advert of the paper and um with a man called Graham Thorner,
4: and
0: yeah
3: Colin Brown I know very well. He was a champion jockey.
0: Yeah, I remember him. a name. great
3: man. Yeah. And um I um left school to work for him.
0: Yeah.
3: Um then I went to a place called Whitney College where a lot of people in the racing world went to, as it was at the time the only horse course in the in the country in the world, no more in the country.
4: Yeah.
3: Um and then I went worked for a man called Henry Candier. Great flat trainer in the lambourne area after that and then set up on my own. So I was lucky. I left school to to work for two great mentors, and um, mm. everyone needs great mentors as well. So I was, I was sent
0: in the right direction. It's interesting you went to Henry Candy because I've got um, well, I say I've got. I'm part of a, a, a syndicate called Hot to Trot, and um, ah. they had a, a very good horse. Last year wasn't so good, but the year before they had a great horse called Heartwarming. Um, yes. No, sorry. Was it Heartwarming? i can't think it was called a heartache it was something like that heartwarming heartache i can't remember It's something like that uh it won a couple of races henry candy trained it um and he no no sorry i've got it wrong i've got it wrong it was clive cox trained it but henry candy had uh another one which was in the syndicate as well which i've lost the name of it now it's completely left me but anyway he did very well he won a listed race and uh he, he was he was a really uh, bright one he was a good horse um so uh, yeah, I, I've got a lot of time for Henry Candy for what he did with that horse and nothing else. So yeah,
3: well Henry's been training half a century now, so um, and he's uh, and if he survived that long, he's got to be pretty good. And uh, yeah, he's a great horseman mm. and a great man to work for.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So because I cause I you know I mean I can't afford to get involved in horse racing much as I'd like to, uh, and the only real way that I can do it is to do something like uh, like Hot to Trot, which I've had you know great fun. I have to say. Um, you know, you yeah,
3: can't... I mean, 80% of racehorses are run by syndicates these days and, you know, and hopefully that will increase and increase because um, you don't have to be a millionaire to earn a, share a racehorse. So no, um, no. it's getting more and more accessible and the more people who get involved, the better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now coming up is the first of Richard's musical choices and it's uh, Queen and Don't Stop Me Now. I'm
5: gonna have myself a real good time feel alive, alive, alive And the world I'm turning inside out yeah. I'm floating around In ecstasy So don't stop me now Don't stop me Cause I'm having a good time Having a good time i shooting star Leaping through the sky I
0: Mercury and Queen there, and don't stop me now. Now, when you were at this Whitney College, you, uh, you, I know you got a distinction in stud management, which was uh, quite impressive. Uh, What did that entail exactly?
3: Well, yeah, it was. I think when you're really keen on something, um, you find it pretty easy to learn things, as it were. So um, I was very, I was absolutely obsessed with it, as I said. And so, yeah, I was. um, I got a distinction, I think, in stud and stable management, and. it entails basically when it comes to the racing and breeding industry, um, it, it cross section of everything to do with nutrition and exercise and health and um, everything to do with the with the industry, as it were, and also a bit of agriculture in there. You know, so it's a real broad education of yeah. the industry. And I was uh, I was very lucky. There's a man called John Onions ran it, and it's amazing who's been on that course and they've gone on to do very well in the industry and uh, that's a great, um, it's, a, it's a great uh, legacy that John Onions has left by setting up that course. And I said people came from all over the world, a fellow called Simon Mockridge, who, who came on from Zimbabwe, and uh, he's on the first on the course. And he, these days, he, he runs Judmont one of the oh. biggest studs in the world, and uh, was responsible for Frankel, the greatest source we've seen for a long time. So yeah.
4: Yeah. it's
3: amazing how people, um, if you really want to get involved, that they can. So it was, it was a great way of doing it. So... Uh, I was so keen. I was not gonna not be top of the class. I hope.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting. Because um, I've got. I, I live in a a little village in Somerset, and uh, literally down the road, about I don't know, fifty yards down the road is a is a, a stud farm down there. Um, a guy called Michael Fortney used to run. But he's retired now, and they had a they had a couple. They had um, uh, what was it called? Comanche Run down there was one I remember that. Luke yeah. Kamani had um and then in the next village down at hardington mandeville um there's another guy called dick falston and he had another stud down there called britain House stud so i worked for dick for a while just uh he used to uh he used to make um hydroponic horse feeder type things and i used to drive around yeah. flog, flogging these or trying to flog these uh these hydroponic uh, grass things that he used to make um yeah so uh, yeah so i've learned quite a bit about the, the stud farm side of things and uh they had a, a horse called a kind of hush i remember it was their, their main one anyway um but i mean i'm going yeah. back probably probably going back 20 years at least now more than that but uh, more than that like, yeah, yeah. kind of hush was trained by barry hills yes that's right that's right yeah so um so yeah so i learned quite a bit about that you know the whole stud side of it sort of thing and uh, you know the the, the uh, buying them as, as foals and as yearlings and making a profit moving them on and etc cetera, etc cetera, and you know learning about how uh, was it Snappy Dancer, I think, was one of Sheikh Mohammed's that he bought for God knows how many millions and it didn't even yeah, run a race? Yeah, about
3: 12 million. Yeah, and it didn't
0: run a race, it didn't, it, think, did it, did
3: it? No, it didn't turn out to be too good, I'm afraid. But mm. <laughs> yeah. so that can happen. But um, yeah, I must admit, I've never bought a lottery ticket, but if I had a winning lottery ticket, one thing I would do is breed thoroughbred racehorses. I think it's a fascinating world.
4: And, yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, the breeding lines and the,
4: yeah, and the opinions
3: just... and, the, and and just seeing young young animals develop it's a fascinating thing
4: yeah
0: and of course one of my biggest troubles is i'm soft with animals i love dogs and horses i you know i, I i'd never buy a, a jump horse because i'd be too worried that the horse might get hurt that would that would break me right up if, if i did that so i'd never i'd never buy one you know but i mean i know flat horses can still get get killed on when they're racing but um not quite so well, often. fortunately
3: those those figures are coming down because um, a lot of a lot of work has gone in to make sure they' this as safe as possible but
4: yeah, um, yeah.
3: sadly some of the worst accidents you see in, in paddocks and things like that where it's completely out of anyone's control you know
0: yeah quite um,
3: and that's the trouble when when there's young animals and livestock um, inevitably now and again tragedy happens but fortunately um, we do have a lot to stop any of that happening hopefully
0: so um, moving on a little bit then so you 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 set up on your own. And uh, you had some stables, I think, if I've got this right from your website, called Jackdaw Castle Stables, uh, which you... Did you buy them from David Nicholson, or...? or uh...
3: No, well, I, I started um, I started actually near Lambourne uh, mm-hmm. to get myself going, as it were. Yeah. So, um, But then um, I was lucky enough to... I was in John Franken's yard for a while. Right. A great character.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: but then I was luckily given the opportunity to train from Jackdaw's castle when David Nicholson retired... And it was owned by a man called Colin Smith, uh, who fortunately gave me the opportunity to train there. But uh, the place was always for sale, and J.P. And Moles came along and bought, bought Jack Doors, um uh, with John Joe O'Neill. So yeah. I was only there for one year, but it was a very good year. We were very fortunate to you know it a horse called La Londiere mm-hmm. And uh, when we moved on to the stables we are now, here in a lovely village in the Cotswolds, yeah. um, we were lucky enough to. I think we've been seven races in a row, including at Cheltenham Festival, so that, that teed everything up, really, so it's a
0: big break. So you do jump and flat?
3: Yeah, yeah, I was fortunate enough to love both, So, but uh, most of my owners prefer prefer jumping than flat racing, but um, I love both.
0: But percentage-wise, what, how, how does the split go?
3: Yeah, we probably have 80% jumpers, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. And how many horses have you got in training altogether?
3: We're about 30 these days. Yeah. Um, we've had more in the past, but I must admit I quite enjoy training uh, that number. Uh, you can have a quality staff and try and up the quality of the horses as well, so you can devote a lot of time to them. and um, a bit like being a schoolmaster again. You know, If you've got too many kids in the classroom, you don't know all the kids. So no, um,
0: no.
3: Hopefully when you've got 30, you know, you know the ins and outs.
0: More music now, and this time it's the Bee Gees, and how deep is your love? No. Jesus, and how deep is your love? So, what year did you win uh, the race at Cheltenham? It was
3: 2003, I think.
0: And, and can you remember the sort of build-up to it? How how you went about it? I mean, you must have sort of set out to to win a big race with this particular. Which horse was it?
3: She was Good Lalondeir. Right. So, um, I we'd, mean, um, you yeah. must
0: you must have set out to you know with a plan. Uh, And ultimately, uh, we all know that, you know, most jump racing sort of ends up ultimately uh, with a race at Cheltenham, hopefully, and a victory at Cheltenham, hopefully. So, I mean, presumably you were no different.
3: Yeah, I think you always want to win any jump horse you want to end up winning at Cheltenham if possible, but you don't actually go out and plan and do it. Mm. Um, You listen to the horse, really. Uh, Like I say, it's getting them in the right exams. And I think, well, like children, if they start passing one or two exams, they can... Get her confidence up and pass three or four more. And she started off. She actually over hurdles. She was quite good. And there was an occasion where she just lost her form over hurdles a bit. And um, we were contemplating. Well, the owners contemplating retiring her. And we hadn't jumped her over a fence yet. And she was certainly built like a chaser. So we thought we'd give her a go over the chase fences. And she came second to a very good horse called Impec at um, Huntington I think. And uh, so she then won her next seven, which including the calf cart at Cheltenham. So. But they they just progress and the horses tell you really you know yeah. what they enjoy and how they how they improve and she won the Racing Post Chase that year as well beforehand so um, <coughs> yes of course you want to win at Cheltenham if you're a jump horse you want to win at Ascot if you're a flat horse but um, I think they, you let them tell you you don't tell them
0: yeah quite and and you know thinking back can you remember much about the race you know did it did it run easily was yes it, uh... I certainly
3: can I mean funny enough going into the race uh, as I say she won the Racing post chase about a month beforehand mm-hmm. and um, but then you know she'd won six in a row by then she's going for the seventh she was the shortest price favourite at the Cheltenham Festival for years really? I think she's five to four favourite conditions condition suit her in the cab guard. Yeah. and um, she came into it, Richard Johnson Road and I think she had a bit of a grubby nose about a week beforehand and all sorts of um, little muscular problems. Um, she had a rather good physio master called Zara Phillips He used to ride out for us. She not a not the Zara on, Phillips, one, yeah. was she? Sorry?
0: Not the Zara Phillips.
3: Well, yeah, the only one I know is one you know. Yeah, that one. Oh, um, right,
0: yeah.
3: But she, she she was riding out for us at the time and she'd been trained by Mary Bromley mm-hmm. in... Um, Physio Mary Bomb is a great equine physiotherapist, and uh, she trained a lot of people to do um, equine massage, etc. And um, so, um, Lalandia was quite a big mare, a long mare, but she certainly had a a bit of um, a few little niggles, as it were. And um, Zara is part of the team. No one man trains a racehorse, or or one woman trains a racehorse. It's a team effort. Yeah. So, um, so Zara did her bit on there, and. The farrier did his bit and the vets did their bit and we got her there in one piece and, it was, you know, it's fantastic when she
0: won it, yeah. Yeah, it must have been a real buzz, I should think, would not it?
3: Yeah, I think it's, Oh, you know, as a child I used to, funny enough, I never feel too well Cheltenham week. I went to school Cheltenham week because I didn't want to miss any of the television. Yeah. So um, Cheltenham was always a fascination ever since I was a little little young man. So, um, you yeah, know, to have a winner there was great and... Um, yeah, hopefully we'll have another
0: one one day. Yeah, I was going to say that was that was going to be my next question. I mean, what does it take? I mean, do you do you, when you take a horse in, do you sort of assess whether it's a potential for Cheltenham or what does does that come into the reckoning when you take a horse in?
3: As i say that they they sort of tell you, but yes, you, you certainly um when you start the season, you've got a promising young horse um, you know your owner person who owns the horse all around, they they obviously want to aim at the festival at the end of the season as it were, and of course Cheltenham's the obvious one, but um sometimes it doesn't suit all horses and but if you know, if the track suits and the grounds right and um they're beginning to blossom coming into the spring like many do, you know, it, it can be the right choice for a horse. So uh, we've got an entry on Saturday at uh, Cheltenham Trials Day, a horse called Piccano he won last time out at Warwick. So whether he's up to Cheltenham standard as a hurdler or a chaser one day, we'll find out. But um Hopefully you'll run on Saturday and hopefully you'll run well.
0: Well, I noticed, actually, because I looked up to see what what you had got going. You know, you've got a, quite a few over the next few days. Nothing up until today, though, but, um, as I yeah. say, in the next few days you've got a few, haven't
3: you? Yeah, we've got a, two lane in on Wednesday and uh, on the flat. And we've got um, a couple entered at Weatherby, Ross Bay Strand, and keep it brief. Ross Bay Strand ran very well on Welsh Grand National Bay at Chepstow. And... Um, Still so got the carna and Robin the smoke on Sunday as well. So yeah, we've got a few this week, but the ground is drying up a little bit, so we'll have to keep an eye
0: on all that. of those that are running, um just so as I can uh, maintain the standard of living that I've got already, any likely to win?
3: Um some there and have chances, but it all depends on the opposition. Again, you can have mm-hmm. your horse absolutely spot on. But um, if the ground conditions aren't right if the opposition's a bit too strong it means you won't win so uh, when, when we see the op- but certainly Ross Bay Strand looks like a horse of potential as does Picana so uh, the Picana's certainly in at the deep end on Saturday so but yeah. um, hopefully like keep it brief from Robin the Smoker both reasonably well handicapped as well so um, if conditions were right they'd have a chance so. yeah
0: yeah okay and who normally rides for you do you have any any sort of sort of regular jockeys or not I'm uh, of
3: in-house jockey really I mean we've been very fortunate to have some great jockeys ride winners for us over the years um, Richard Johnson in has past, now he's retired but I think for 20 years running he rode me a winner or two
4: yeah. So,
3: um, but uh, Danny Hiskett rides most of our horses and Danny will be riding those horses this week he's, yeah. um, his father worked for David Nicholson uh, his father still rides out for us um, but yeah Danny Danny rides most of the horses and yeah he's, he's, he's done well for us over the last few
0: seasons That's nice to hear and now another one of Richard's Choices of Music, Richard's Choices of Music I hasten to add, not mine, and this one's by a band called The Sore Doctors, um, it's left me rather sore ears really but there we go, and it's called Nevermind The Strangers.
1: To make it last should sure we we'll all end up in some ways Like the drink in last night's glass But we take this chance together Let's not think about the end Never mind the strangers, Cause I'll always be your friend Together, and we've had our ups and downs. We've gone further than we ever dreamed from our County Galway town. Well, if we're up on top tomorrow, or if it all just ends, never mind the strangers. That's the way it goes Been shaken, rocked and rattled Taking jabs and body flows But there's a strength in being together Like a steel bar that won't bend Never mind the strangers Cos I love Some night drinking and gay browns home, oh, every soul is welcomed in on this fine summer's evening As the blue of night descends Never mind the strangers, but I love you. Put it to the test But at least we took the challenge We didn't just pretend Never mind the strangers Cos I lost
0: what i mean the saw doctors and never mind the strangers only kidding richard only kidding mate you should have had this Charles and dave on though i'm telling you now g- going back to your setup at alderstrop is it it's called um where where, where about i mean i know it's in gloucestershire exactly but where where are we talking uh
3: near stoner world
0: all oh, right yeah yeah and uh, what made you decide to go there? I mean, was it an already built-up establishment and you bought it, or did you set it all up yourself?
3: Well, it's got a, quite an interesting history. Cynthia Hayden used to be here. Um, Cynthia Hayden was a great carriage driver, taught the Duke of Edinburgh
4: how oh, yeah. uh,
3: to drive carriages. Yeah. Um, and then Mark Todd, who's voted the greatest equestrian of the 20th century.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, he he, um, he was here. But uh, we came here about 20 years ago. Um, uh, Lord Lee, who is... Um, uh, my landlord as it were and uh, I've known Chris Lee for nearly 40 years so he always said you should come to Adelstrop to train so when Geoffrey Manners bought um, Jackdaws Castle it was an obvious thing to do to try not far away move up the road and bring my horses and staff with me
4: Yeah,
3: and we developed it from there really. so yeah it's a, it's a magnificent village and it's a, a beautiful one it has a poem named, uh, there's a poem named Adelstrop and and um, quite a famous poem as well so it's a beautiful part of the country
0: well it certainly looks it from the photographs on your website it looks really you know top rate so i'm sure that helps when it comes to you know impressing um your your uh, owners when they come to see a place like that
3: yeah well owning a racehorse can sometimes be um quite frustrating but i think when you're visiting the cotswolds and seeing horses in action in the most beautiful part of britain it does help
0: yeah yeah definitely and and looking at your website again, you have got uh, a few interesting um, owners there as well.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, three in particular yeah. that I spotted anyway. Oh <laughs> um, uh,
3: yeah, so um, um, from the sporting world, there's a lot.
0: Yes, that's the ones I'm on about. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, ever since I um yeah, I've been very lucky. I've been supported by a few of them ever since I started training. So. Um, um, yeah, so when I first started training, I, the first syndicate I set up was a man called. This is over 30, well, 30 years ago now. John Inverdale and yeah. Jeff Stelling
4: yeah.
3: were both both owners in my first syndicate, the Dozen Dreamers. Um, and luckily, the, yeah, we had a winner literally in our first, you know, a few months as it were, of setting yeah. up the syndicate. So they've been great supporters ever
0: since. Have they? That's interesting. I mean, you know, do you think the fact that you've got the sort of operation that you have in, in that you've only got 30 horses but it gives you the opportunity to give that that extra special attention to the horses is uh, is going to be beneficial in the future
3: i've no doubt um you know i think i mean everyone wants to be champion trainer but i think you get to a certain stage of your life where you know what you enjoy doing yeah. and um you know i think we've, we've sort of tried to Make it clear that we're sort of bespoke hotel, you know. It's nice to be the Dorchester, but there's probably equally a nicer hotels with a few lesser rooms around the corner that have got a little bit more time for you, even. So, um, yeah, I think that's how we that's how we we um, we push it, and you know, I think we enjoy the fact that um, you know we can have a bit more time to do the job, as it were. And um, than if you have a lot of horses, as it were a lot more horses and. I say getting staff to look after them. Those horses can be difficult at times, so we're very lucky here.
0: I wouldn't have thought, though, getting staff is, is that difficult, is it? Because, I mean, you, you know, sable staff, I would have thought there's always young girls, young blokes that want to get involved in it and are prepared to, uh, you know, wade in and do, a you know, a, a difficult job and, and certainly having to get up at all hours that God gave you sort of thing. Uh, but there always seems to be loads of kids want to do it.
3: Um, I think that used to be the case. I think possibly less and less um, young people possibly want to work uh, in the countryside and in agriculture, etc. So I think it's very important that we um, we show that young people what a great life it is. Mm. So um, um, it probably had an image that it wasn't that well paid in the past and things like that, but it's certainly far better paid now. And, and um, you know, the, kid, the conditions are far, far better than they used to be when I first started, as it were. Uh, yeah. for the racing industry for people who work in racing and it has a great support system racing welfare is a charity that that supports all those that work in racing so there's there's many many um attributes to the game now so mm. so so many um additions to to look the welfare of people who work in racing yeah jockeys trainers uh, are- and, and the stable staff of Britain so um
0: so we're very lucky from that point of view, and we need to get the message across. And to be fair, I mean ITV Racing do make a big deal about horse welfare. Um, every week, there's always something on there about it, which uh, I think is, you know, more power to them. That's what they want to do. Can put the message across that, that you know. I know that, that you get the occasional nasty story coming out about horses that are, you know, once they finish their racing career, they don't get looked after, etc. But um, I think that's more, you know, it's the minority, not the, the majority. That's for sure.
3: Oh certainly, so I was um, on Saturday night, I was lucky enough in Newmarket, the ROR which is the Retraining of Racehorses Annual Awards Yeah. and where many racehorses are retrained after their career and go on and do amazing things whether it's the dressage world or whether it's hunting or eventing or polo um, endurance racing riding, there's so many avenues for Mm -hmm. racehorses once they've retired and Getting that message across is very important because everyone in the racing world loves horses.
4: Yeah.
3: And uh, I was um, part of setting up a thing called National Racehorse Week, which was the first time it ever happened last year.
0: Yeah.
3: And um, and again, the whole point of that is to celebrate the racehorse. They're yeah. amazing creatures. They do amazing things for people. and People do amazing things for racehorses. And one one thing in Britain we're really good at, and um, we should probably for one week of the year tell everyone else. Else in Britain about
0: it, yeah. I went down to um, Harry Fry's new yard. Uh, when was it in sep- September?
3: Was it? Yeah, September. Uh, yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah, because uh, and that was this was part of the um, um, you know your your racehorse week, as it were. And um, I got I had to go down on behalf of Hot to Trot, but uh, it was it was interesting, you know. But I'm I'm quite lucky because r- where I live, we've got um, we've got Harry Fry, who's who's just I don't know. 15 minutes away we've got um anthony honeyball jack barber um slightly further afield paul nichols um colin tizard uh you know they're they're just all around us so it's uh, it's a good place to be really from the point of view of horse racing the only thing that we haven't got a lot of them that's my next question for you really is um we're right in the midst of national hunt but we're not in the midst of of flat and of course I personally, I like flat racing. I think I don't know why it's because the weather's always nicer for flat racing, but I just love flat racing. It's the glamour of it all. I think that gets to me more music now, and this time it's old Blue Eyes himself, Frank Sinatra, and that's life.
6: That's life. i'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball and my, my
0: frank sinatra there and that's life um how different is it to to train a horse for the flat as opposed to the jumps?
3: It's a very good question. Um, it actually, the principles are the same like uh, I said before, you know, fitness and health and running against opposition you can beat, but um, some of the flat horses are younger horses and rather like any younger athlete, they want, wouldn't take as much exercise as a, an older athlete as it were and, and it's the same principle with flat and jump racing, really. But they have to be fit and they have to be healthy and have to run against opposition they could beat, so um they, They're similarly trained, and I, I would say that that yes, most flat horses do a bit less exercise.
0: Right. I mean, you, you know, you, for example, you get most. I mean, Jack Barber, I know they've got gallops up there. I don't know how long they are, but would would you? And they were uphill as well. But would you, for example, put a, a flat horse to do exactly the same distance up the hill, as it were, as a jump horse? in a point of getting him fit?
3: Well, not a very good point. So um, a lot of gallops are quite steep these days, and I think, it was, I think a very steep gallop would necessarily suit a flat horse. Hmm. But certainly a, rise, um, a rising gallop can suit a flat horse. I mean, a lot of the two-year-olds actually market a train on Warren Hill, uh, which is a steady rise, as it were. It's not a severe one, but it's yeah. quite a steady one. So the great thing about exercising up a hill, you don't have to go as fast to get fit, Uh, and um, going fast can create some problems if you're doing that all the time, like repetitive strain injuries in a way. So, um, yes, you can certainly train horses like Martin Pike, for instance, train many a flat horse and a a jump horse on his gallop, and um, and Alan King, who I know well, he knows excellent trainer of of horses, whether they're flat horses or jump horses, and I I don't think in principle there's a lot of difference, but you just, you, you know, you wouldn't necessarily... Give a, a young horse as much exercise as you would a, a, an old one.
0: Right, right. And <clears throat> I mean, when it comes to to jockeys, etc., I mean, obviously weights are different for um, flat than for jumps, aren't they?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can... um, jockeys, flat jockeys need to be about eight stone, and jump jockeys need to be about ten stone,
0: right. um, and there's
3: a, there's a fair difference in it. But um, does that not the principles sort of... of being a good jockey are much the same?
0: But does it not count against you? I mean, you know, if you've got a young horse, um, a flat horse now, I'm talking a two-year-old or a um, three-year-old, does, um, I'm just trying to find the name of those horses I was going to tell you about from hot to trot, and I just can't find them at the moment. Um, But, um, you know, if you're you're not as heavy, are you going to be not as strong, and therefore you're going to have more difficulty hanging on to a a really fit and raring-to-go flat horse?
3: Well, riding is a technique as much as anything, and riding has a lot to do with confidence. So, Frankie Dettori would uh, would well, he'd probably be near a nine stone these days, but um, he, he would, I'm sure, I'll tell you that um, technique is the way to ride horses and having confidence in horses. So, yeah. Uh, so they're
0: off racing in the Queen Mary, uh, and they get away uh, actually to a pretty Hang good on, line. sorry. Uh, oh, I hate it when pretty websites do that. <laughs> <laughs> a video suddenly started to play right. The when you were talking, I wouldn't even expect uh, yeah. it to happen. That's what it was. Um, okay. Curious was the name of that horse I was trying to find for you.
3: Um, oh yeah, with a K. Yeah,
0: with a K. He did. Yeah. He did very well under Henry Candy. Um, won us yeah, a lot. Won us a lot of money as a group. That's for sure. So yeah, um,
3: he's an excellent trainer. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but going back to what you were saying, though, um, just, just can you just repeat that a bit? Because I'd love to cut that little bit out in a minute.
3: So um, I was saying about jockeys being, yeah. you know, so Frankie Torre basically um, riding a horse is all about confidence. And yeah. It's all about technique. And uh, it's not necessarily muscle. It's not necessarily uh, brute force. Um, race horses are, are intelligent but they're certainly very sensitive, most of them. Mm. So they sense your um, they sense what you're thinking and if you are confident, it if you are composed, that, that will run down the reins, as it were, when you're riding a horse. Uh. So um, so I, I think when it comes to riding, there's, there's those that are good at it are composed and have a technique, and they have composure, and they have rhythm, and they, they have confidence, and, and that's a lot to do in riding.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned Frankie Dettori in particular. You know, I mean, he, as a 50-year-old, he's remarkable, really, when you see what he does, and the number of winners that he rides is just incredible.
3: He is, he, he's the first to point out, he rides good horses, as it were, but yeah. the reason he rides good horses is he's good on them, yeah. Um, and, and on the big day, and um, normally on the big day he gets it right, and, mm. uh, you know, that's, uh, again, uh, a gift, but he's, he's got a lot of confidence in what his ability and so he should, he's on the greats.
0: Do you find that, uh, I know you do a lot of charity work and, and get involved in racing charities, do you find that takes up a lot of your time?
3: No, <laughs> I make sure it doesn't. <laughs> but, uh, I do say I do a lot of it, and you now again, strangely, get awards for things like that, but uh, which is all embarrassing because uh, you don't do it for that reason. But uh, I must, I normally do it for the reason because some of my owners ask me to do it, and because yeah. uh, they're very kind to me, I try and help them really. So yeah, no, I wouldn't sure. say I do a lot of charity work, but I think. Uh, in giving that you receive, so maybe if you do things for others, people do things for you, I always find.
0: Yeah, so wh- where do you see the future for you then Richard? I mean how how long would you plan to go on for?
3: Well I'm too skint to retire so um, <laughs> I expect I'll go out of this in a nice wicker basket, so uh, <laughs> oh, but I'm great, quite happy yeah. doing that.
4: Yeah, um,
3: yeah, It's not like a real job um, it's a vocation uh, you spend your whole life doing it you're on duty for the rest of your life but as I say it's not like a real job and my father was a civil servant He had to go to london every day and um, hmm. uh, i think he probably encouraged me not, not to do that sort of job so i'm very lucky that i don't want to go on holidays not that like i could afford to go on one but
0: um bar then. And... I <laughs> <laughs> but i'm
3: not complaining it's a great life and i'm lucky to be surrounded by some good people who um who look after me well so uh, but um it's very rewarding job so um and yes it doesn't always go right but um when you get to my age you it's a state of mind really you you can only control what's in your control so um so so, you you surround good people it's, it's fun
0: Give me an average day. Your, your, your average day, Richard. What, how does it work? Tell me what time do you get up and when, you know, what would you do? Well, an well, I want to day?
3: start getting fed at half five, and they get mucked out at half six, and they get exercised at half seven. So um, I, I would describe myself as the headmaster who sits in on the lessons. So um, I'm there from sort of seven in the morning, um, seeing all the lots go out and making sure that um, they, the teachers follow the syllabus, as the analogy goes. So um, and I'm looking for for the norm, really. So if yeah. horses are moving like they normally move, if horses are looking how they normally look, if the riders who ride them are happy with them, then they all good, you know. But if there's a little problem, you try and sort it. And, and sorting out these little, you know, there might be a reason why a horse is not moving properly, and, you know, horses are incredibly lucky in many respects. They're, they've got 24-hour care. They've got they're all on booper. They've got private dentists, private physios, members of spas. They've got all sorts of things that um, help them be as good a racehorse as possible. But my job is just to oversee all that and make sure that all the horses get everything they can to try and win races. So my day starts from, you know, as soon as it's light, really, and um, goes through to the morning. Uh, so horses going at about four lots between the hours of half seven to half twelve. And then um, we might be off racing, and then we come back and uh, tuck them up in bed at night. But um, you're always... As a trainer, you're always on the end of a phone you'll never switch it off because, as I say, you're always on duty and there's always something to, to make a decision about. But that can be fun.
0: Final choice of music now, and now we've got Mr Nat King Cole and Smile Smile
2: Though your heart is aching
0: King Cole there and smile. Do you um, uh, do you watch them? I mean, have you got your own gallops? I presume you have, have you?
3: Yeah, we're lucky. We've got our own lovely gallop here. We put in when we arrived here. So yeah, yeah. so it's just over half a mile up a hill.
0: Right.
3: And a lot of trainers do train um, on on a gallop, half a mile up a hill these days, yeah. thanks to Martin Pipe. So um, yeah, we're very lucky. It's a, it's a good one. It certainly gets them fit. But they don't do that every day, as it were. But a lot um, of the time they do. And, and, and horses are a bit like dogs and children. They, on the whole, they like a bit of routine. Yeah. They like to know when they're going to get fed and know what they've got to do for the day. And as long as they're um, surrounded by confident, composed people, you know what they're doing, they're, they're pretty happy.
0: Do you, do you go up and sort of. I presume you've got a special sort of point where you watch them from. I mean, you can, you can spot in an instant, can you, if one of the horses is not right? Yeah,
3: not necessarily. It's, it, you're you're looking you're looking for what, as I say, the norm. So you're looking for how they normally move, and on certain days they go a bit faster, and you see how easily they're doing them. Rather as you would with any human athlete, you can see if a human athlete is um, is finding it difficult to do an exercise or not, in the same way as you would with an equine athlete. Yeah. And also, I'm listening to them. So um, horses have. There's a few little things that can go wrong with racehorses. Um, <clears throat> obviously, they can be have injuries such as tendon injuries on their legs, which there's a lot of weight going down on the horse's leg. Mm. Uh, they can have respiratory viruses. Um, they're quite prone to getting those sort of things. Uh, and wind is one of the issues with them. So how they breathe. So you're you're listening for an expirational noise, not necessarily an inspirational noise yeah. when they're going up the gallop. So yeah. if you hear something you don't normally hear, then maybe you need to investigate it.
0: Alerts yeah, you sort of thing. Um, right i say it alerts you to a potential problem if the if the, yeah if the and noise you know, is...
3: and we also use heart monitors
4: yeah
3: um which is all about recovery so we get them up to certain beats per minute and they recover down to another certain amount of beats per minute in 60 seconds and we know they're fit and they don't have a problem so they get a lot of attention and um a lot goes into it
0: um you mentioned about the jockey um presumably though does the same jockey ride the flat horses as the jump jaw horses not
3: No, no. um, As much as Danny Hiskett is not too heavy a lad, um, we have, um, we use particular flat jockeys, not only the best available, but um, yeah, people we know and we can rely upon to do what we wish them to do in a race. So yeah, so there are different jockeys running on the flat, yeah.
0: one, One other question on the flat side of things, how many have you got actually in the flat?
3: Well, we've got something a dual purpose a bit, really, but so we'd have 30 horses, like I say,
4: sort
3: of you yeah. know, 20% of them would be um, would be um, on the flat, so... Um, Half a yeah, dozen
0: sort of, five of thing. or six. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. And five or six flat horses, yeah.
0: Good. Well, look, Richard, that is absolutely wonderful. Um, I've learned a lot more than I knew before I came on the phone to you, so that's good.
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no, no problem. No, it's not a difficult life, but there's a little bit to it, so um, it's... Yeah. But it's a fascinating life. So we're we're very lucky people
0: who do it. Yeah, absolutely. I you know I buy you and uh, you know well, if I'm ever up in order, so I shall I shall arrive at your doorstep for a cup of tea. <laughs>
3: well, you're welcome at any time. I'd love that.
0: Well, I I don't get around that much. I've got shocking sciatica, and it it, it inhibits oh, the really? amount of walking that I can do. I, I'm fine sat down. Absolutely no problem at all. But walking is—it's like somebody's tugging on both your hamstrings and your legs, up in your thighs, sort of thing. You know. Yes, yeah, so it's um, pretty painful. That. I've yeah. got a
3: very good physio this end, so. If you, oh right, you know, well. I'll, I'll get
4: the
0: horse physio in. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, Richard, thank you ever so much. Um, but but you know, thank you from very much for coming on and uh, being very informative, very interesting little chat, and uh, long may it continue. Thank you very much. This is Three Valleys Radio And you've been listening to The In Conversation Program With A.D. Hopper Make sure you join us Every week here on Three Valleys Radio